the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show. What's your retirement going to look like? Will you have enough? Well, the recent stories of 2021 and inflation spur you to save more? Or will you be left surprised at retirement that your dollar doesn't go as far as it used to? Should you buy insurance? Should you invest now when markets are 2% off all-time highs? And yet it feels very dramatic. Like, isn't it worse than that? And the answer is not really. So this is a show dedicated to helping you. Chad usually covers the financial planning angle way better than I do. I usually handle the wealth creation way better than he does. We're very different beasts, so to speak. We can talk about things like the metaverse. I've been trying to figure out what's going to be the right investment angle. And we keep going back with the obvious ones like NVIDIA, where we're going to need a lot of computing power to create things like what we see in the matrix. The matrix is a great example of the metaverse. And I'm not going to go over the whole plot, but it seems like there were shells of people. Their brains were being tapped for something. I still don't quite understand the plot. But if they were able to escape into the metaverse, or in this case called the matrix, they were able to take shape and form of super beings. Um, In theory, I can be half pig, half man, if I can imagine it. I just need the graphical power to power that. Nike in the real world right now, not in the matrix, is buying companies that are trying to figure out what we're going to dress like in the metaverse. There will eventually come a day when salespeople don't have to go to work. They can dial into the metaverse of their own company, put a headset on, and be working from their desks at home, but look like they're working from their desks in the metaverse. And you may want to wear clogs, but your boss may say, nope, we just need sneakers. In the world of sneakers, you may go, you know what? Nikes are way cooler. Look at my Air Jordan 1980s, classic retros. And Nike wants a piece of that action. So we really cover everything on this show. Um, Not always going to be great, often filled with mistakes, but the path is towards retirement. 2022 looms, and as 2022 looms, we're playing with the idea of what's the best thing for me. It happens every year as the year winds down and as we open a new year, top 10 list, predictions. Um, one of the people that I follow on podcast, he kind of annoys me right now because last year his predictions were free. This year you have to pay for a webinar to hear them. Will he leak them out through his podcast in the months and weeks to come? Probably. But to hell if I'm paying $400, $500 for a podcast, a webinar. You get the idea of where we are in society. But Deutsche Bank has laid out its best pick for the best equity 
sectors to own in 2022. One of the reasons they're able to throw this down is because we have Omicron, the variant, which will probably affect us for the next six months before it gives way to a new variant, very similar to the way Delta had. We still have supply chain issues. We still have inflation on our minds. I have a vacation on my mind where it got complicated in the last 24 hours as massive weather hits California, turns to snow, could change my holiday plans pretty aggressively. I'm not one to drive in five straight days of snow. It's just not my thing. I like a break of two or three days in there for the roads to melt and dry off. But on top of that, going back east, going to see a concert. The lead singer just got COVID and he's in protocols. Will I still go? Sure. There's plenty of things to do in New York City. Will it be as fun? No. Two weeks ago when New York City announced they were putting mask mandates back on for all indoor activities, I was like, oh, okay. Thought we were coming out of this a little bit better, but Omicron's turning out to be a, uh, I'm trying to think of a dirty word that starts with mother and ends with cur. And it's just, it's biting people. So it's got a serious contagion to it. But so far it hasn't been as deadly as Delta was at the early stages. But again, mutations are what they are. We don't really know. So Deutsche Bank is laying out with all this going on, stock market having a blockbuster run, Omicron being out there, inflation being a story, supply chain issues, higher interest rates. The SP 500 and many other leading stock market indexes have had a meteoric rise in 2020 and 2021. I've created more wealth in the last two years, probably than I did in any other two-year period of my life. Not on exponential levels, but because I was fully invested. There's a strength in the climb and the earnings multiples that have been required to reach these new heights are looking pretty fat. There's one thing to work out, but at some point in time, you need a little bit of rest. Let the muscles break down and chill. The PE for the S&P 500 sits at 26.3 times future earnings. That's the highest level since the late 1990s when the bubble peaked at 35 times earnings. When the bubble peaked in 2000, we went down in 2000, 2001, 2002, the tune of 40%. Are you prepared for something like that? Because if history repeats itself, the writing's on the wall. We're going to pull down at some point in time. Can't always go up. Can't always go up meteorically. Can't have people like Rob Black say, I've created more wealth because when you have wealth, you tend to look at it and go, I've never, ever wanted a Lamborghini, but you know what? I could actually afford one now. So they tend to sell stock, which tends to pull down the market. I think you're picking up what I'm putting down here. There's a number of reasons for why earnings may well get and remain stronger for longer, but there's also some things that can mess things up. Americans are sitting on a record amount of cash. And if we know something about Americans, it's we like to spend money. We live paycheck to paycheck. Disruption to services during the pandemic was a big contributor to outsized demand for goods and technology. It made a lot of sense that we bought a lot of things like laptops and computers last year. 
it'll make a lot of sense in 2022 that we travel and leisure as 2021 was very slow to open. And then when it did, the window seems to shut pretty fast. Energy stocks have been rated as overweight principally because of their relative value. Who wants to own a barrel of oil? Probably no one. Who wants to own a carton of cigarettes? Probably no one. Could there be value because no one wants to own them? Yeah, you get the idea. Energy earnings have been trending down for over a decade, dragging valuations down. If you can see earnings growth in tech and you see earnings decline in energy, you're like, yeah, I want to go where the action is. As economies have opened, the price of oil has roared back to life. Energy sector is one of 2021's top performers with a gain of almost 50% compared to 24% on the S&P 500. Financials are very interesting at this point in time. 2022 should be a good year to bet on financials as they're disconnected from growth and completely tied to interest rates. In other words, as the Federal Reserve makes moves towards tightening conditions, drain and inflation, banks and other finance sectors should benefit. No guarantees. And then materials, as we build back better, as we reopen, as there's an infrastructure bill created. There should be some demand for lumber, copper, iron, ore, aluminum, pushing them to new highs. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Honest, straightforward, and right to the point. The Rob Black Show. A personal financial plan with custom investment advice. That's why Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP services were built with you in mind. How can they help you? Find out at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com. I don't know which is worse. Wait for it in this story because you'll get it. The TSA has said that in 2021, they've confiscated the most guns ever in a single year. Some 5,700, most of them were loaded. I think most people kind of know they go through a metal detector. And bags get scanned, but eh. what scares me is record number 5,700. That's shocking, right? In a year where we weren't flying a lot. What scares me even more is how many of them get through so that 5,700 people think they can confidently try to get through with it. Um, I don't know. I'm pro your right to own a gun. I'm anti, you need to carry it on a plane. Just between you and me. I don't know. I know you're saying, well, 9-11, I had a gun, I could stop everything. I get it. I get it. Oh my. Let's go through some of the top stories of the day, shall we? COVID hit Germany turns to family-run firms to aid its economic recovery. That's the type of headline that doesn't do anything for me. And there's a lot of things I used to like about Maria Rotaramo, but over the years, as I've gotten more and deeper engaged in media, I've become less enthralled with media. I've become less engaged with like, oh, she's the money, honey. I've become less engaged with Jim Cramer is screaming. Um, it doesn't work for me. I don't need the show of show business when it comes to business time. When it's business time in my family, when it's time to make love, sweet love, I'm all about business. When it's business time on the stock market, I'm all about business. I'm big into the show, you know? 
It's just not me. Um, <clears throat> but a little bit about that. Talking about the show of show business and uh, CNBC and Maria Bartiromo. She re- wrote a book a few years back and I read two books a week. It's my thing. Um, it's been my thing since high school. It's been a way that I try to stay educated. I don't think I'm smarter than you. I think I just do more work, groundwork. And part of groundwork is reading. Part of groundwork is keeping your eyes open and trying to connect the dots. In her book, she wrote something along the lines of there's different types of, of risk. There's currency risk. There's inflation risk. There's earnings risk. Will the company make their earnings or miss their earnings? There's dollar inflation risks. There's political risks. 2021 will probably one of the top 25 stories of 2021, even though you won't come up with this. China's delisted a lot of U.S. companies. And it got dramatic with President Trump and TikTok in 2020, basically saying, you know, we need uh, an American company to take this over because we don't want the information on Chinese servers. But then slowly but surely, you're seeing China delist every major company that five to 10, 15 years ago on this show, we would talk about why you want to buy a company called Weibo or why you want to buy a company called Alibaba. And usually the answer was something very, very simple, like billions of people. Back in the 1990s, while doing this show, I would get calls about a Chinese bicycle company that was publicly traded in the United States. And I've never been to China. And this was before the Chinese Olympics. So most Americans hadn't been to China at this point in time. And we would invest in companies that made bicycles for China because we would say things like, well, they're starting to do more manufacturing for the world. They've got cheap labor. They want to go from a very poor nation to a rich nation. People will probably have to commute. They have pollution problems with too many cars already. Bicycles may become more standard. So we've been talking about China and cracking the investment code for years. And now China's saying, you know what? We don't want the world to benefit from the growth of our major companies. China doesn't want the world, they don't want their citizens to benefit from cryptocurrencies, so they've banned them. I get all of this. Five years ago, we were doing stories about, five to 10 years ago, we were doing stories about how the Chinese were buying up real estate in California. Um, I remember doing a story on television that there was a realtor who was advertising to Chinese couples in America. Um, They basically fly them to America. Then they get on a bus and they go on a real estate tour. And there was like 60 Chinese couple on the bus doing a real estate tour. Off topic, but on topic. Another risk that we had of, uh, or another story that we saw in 2021 was, A lot of people bought real estate sight unseen, especially in Hawaii luxury. Crazy. Offering 14-day closes with an all-cash offer. But back to China and some of the stories and Maria Bartiromo. So, oh, and for the record, I sold a home in 2021 in September. 
And out of the 10 offers that I got all over, um, nine of them were from purely Chinese couples. Uh, not saying that they don't live in the United States. I couldn't get that kind of information. But looking at the applications, when you see a name like Shinjuwa and you're not seeing things like Allison Parker, you're like, whoa, whoa. Nine out of 10. So there's a story there, right? A trend. Investing is about learning trends. It's about learning comparisons. I'm not trying to be racist or nationalist. If I'm coming across that way, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be. But back to Maria Bartiromo and risk. One of the areas that you can get into risk is PR risk. I've already talked about currency risk, political risk, um, terrorist risk. There's, There's so many risks that can upset the stock market. But one of the stories on the wires this morning, COVID hit Germany turns to family-run firms to aid its economic recovery. I won't even open that one. Germany's economy used to be much more important. Back when I was doing this show 25 years ago, the three main countries that we cared about economically were the United States, Germany, and Japan. Now I feel like it's the United States and China. That's it. Maybe you'd say the United States, China, and the European Union. Things have changed. But understand there's something called headline risk. You may own shares of Apple, and one day you hear Apple's being investigated for its practice of employees, and you're like, oh, I can't stand that. You know, it's probably time to sell. I've made a lot of money in the last 10, 15 years on it. But, you know, now I understand that they have labor issues, and it's time for me to get out. And then two days later, there's a $300, $200 price target slapped on it. You're like, oh, I wish I would have done that. That's a headline risk. In the end, do all companies have labor problems? I kind of think they do. In the end, do all companies run afoul? I kind of think they do. There's a certain dynamic of giving them space to breathe and work through their issues. Some are worse than others. Amazon clearly has some labor issues. Starbucks is starting to see their employees unionize. Two stores out of what, 12,000? Is that a headline risk or is that a real risk? There's a lot to process here. There's a lot going on. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. Try to do my best to bring you a fresh steaming heap of news that you can use. It doesn't always work out like that. A desperate 911 call from inside the collapsed Amazon warehouse reveals chaos and confusion. The caller sheltering in bathrooms that workers were told to take cover in restrooms instead of the warehouse's designated tornado shelter. A lot of Amazon employees are coming out and saying, we've never had disaster training. Now, this is a part of the world where tornadoes happen. Tornadoes don't happen in December. Tornadoes happen at the end of summer as the weather shifts from super hot to cool. Um, I'm not a meteorologist. That's not a, a meteorology lesson. This isn't even a, a takedown on Amazon story. This is a takedown on, well, I guess you could say OSHA is going to say proper job training issues are always going to be there, but it's not what I'm trying to get across here. To me, this is a story on people die in the weirdest possible ways. Um, I'm supposed to travel on Sunday to get to a new destination for Christmas and then travel the day after Christmas to get to a new designation for New Year's. 
I'll be working through Christmas, but then take the week off afterwards. I'm not willing to travel in heavy snow. I'm happy to be there, let it snow, get on the mountain ski. Love that. Um, COVID kept me in the house, no vacations, staycations. Got a great relationship with my family. I dedicated uh, 2020 and 2021 to really kicking and learning how to cook better. Uh, I would say I'm minor chef. Like I, I can go on top chef and pull my weight. Um, not with speed, not with like, not like that kind of good, but with that kind of flavor. But now I, I'm getting to the point where like, do I travel with COVID? Because another strain said like, Delta played out long enough that we saw the cases drop. I was like, sweet, I could sneak in a vacation. Then Omicron comes right before I'm supposed to go. What I'm getting at is people die in weird and funny ways. And it's usually when it's least expected. One of the things I would hate to do to my family is try to get to a ski top and ultimately get in a crash because the weather was too unpredictable, too miserable, too icy. Um, I can remember about 30, you know, no, about 22, 21, 22 Christmases ago, coming home after Christmas with my girlfriend's family in upstate Pennsylvania, coming back to Washington, DC and hitting a, a patch of black ice in the middle of the night, which most Californians have no clue what black ice is. Um, it's the worst driving condition possible because if you tap your brake, you're going to spin out of control when you can feel you lose traction, you just let your foot off the gas and let it go. And it's a weird 20, 25 seconds because you're like, I can't steer and I can't brake. I kind of need for the tires to hit pavement again. And that 20, 25 seconds, you're like, I could die. And it gives you a lot of clarity. And you're like, I don't want to go through this again. So that's what drives me is I don't want to put my family in a bad situation. My son calls me the safest driver he's ever seen. Um, my spouse is one of the worst drivers I've ever seen. Um, she doesn't tailgate, but she speeds past motors in an unpredictable manner. She's been in a couple um, minor scrapes and accidents. Um, she popped a wheel of a Tesla, but she was driving. She didn't hit another vehicle. When you're getting into accidents and parking lots, you're a bad driver. Um, but accidents happen, and the guy was in a warehouse working at Amazon and he dies, right? I bring it up because financially try to prepare your family for the worst case scenarios. If you love the people you care about. Um, in my 20s, I didn't have life insurance. Do you know why? Because I had a cat. I had a girlfriend that she was beautiful and I knew that if I died for a, from a heart attack or something along those lines or I'm going to live forever in mentality, and I have a brain defect and my head blows up and I die, she would, have, she would have been fine. But the moment I got into a serious relationship, I got $4 million life insurance. I got $2 million life insurance. And the moment we had kids, I got $2 million more. Because back then, it would have been enough for her to take a year off and mourn. I said, the type of funeral I want is a New Orleans-based funeral. I want a party. And I want my kids to acknowledge that their dad loved them. And when you have kids, you add more insurance because raising a kid from zero to 17 is about $250,000. Um, 
and send them to college is about another $250,000 with inflation. College costs seem to jump at about 6% a year. Inflation tends to be between 2 and 4%. Now, the pandemic's changing all this. Um, real quick, my opinion on colleges is there's like a great community college in Marin called the College of Marin. And it's rated the number one community college in the nation. Sweet. I'm okay with the first two years of a kid going to a community college and learning that there's a transition from high school. Taking the English 101 from a teacher who isn't tied towards the, the inflation big university. Letting the kid fall in love, maybe get in an apartment, practice adulting. My first day at a big uh, university, I was 17 years old. And I saw things that I've never, ever seen or have seen since in the first week. Um, the amount of testosterone and pheromones flowing was insane. I'm okay with the transition. Having lived through it. Um, but bad things happen to good people. And you have to be financially prepared. So if... Sunday, Monday of next week, it looks like it's snowing in the mountains. And like, I may not, if, if 80 gets closed down, I'm not going, I'm not going to risk my family of putting me in a wheelchair of not being able to do radio. I'm doing radio in the basement of the science building. You can't the basement of the science building doesn't have a handicap elevator. I don't know if you're picking up what I'm putting down. The financial realities. That's why you need auto insurance. Because my wife's a bad driver. Um, my biggest fear is that she hits a car filled with four lawyers. Because I'm going to get cleaned out. They're going to come back to these tapes and say, Rob knew. He should never have let her drive. Um, I know you're saying you're embellishing. I am. When I was in my 20s and living with a girlfriend, we were renters. One morning, everything was great. Great sex life, great nightlife, great everything, right? Great career starting, seeing the world, vacations. Um, body didn't ever hurt. But one Saturday morning, we woke up and seeing that we we're in the bottom level of condo, the condo started percolating in the toilet. I was like, uh-oh, toilet's clogged. I didn't have an experience. I didn't realize if the toilet's percolating and you're on the bottom level, probably not because you got up in the middle of the night and took a big dump. It's probably something in the pipes. It's because everyone who lived above us put turkey bones and chicken bones and tampons and things that clog up the plumbing. So it started percolating. There's no chance Drano was going to work. I tried. There was no chance a uh, pump was going to work. What are those things called? Uh, that sit right next to a toilet. Can't even tell you what they're called, but that's okay. Plunger. I tried. There was no chance that a snake was going to work because it was 25 feet away, as Roto-Rooter later told me. So three to four hours into this fight, I call landlord because it's now creeped over into onto the floor, into the bathtubs. It's everywhere. And it's starting to go towards the living room and the carpets and the beds. So we get Roto-Rooter out there. Uh, they cleared out and said, yeah, it's crazy. It was Crazy about it. And like I saw all my neighbors filth in my, 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 my bathtub. So it was a life experience. So I, I, I'm glad I had renter's insurance and I'm glad my 
landlord had homeowners. He had to do a big homeowner's claim on it. Um, you ensure what you can't afford to lose. I can't afford to lose my health right now. I enjoy my career. I enjoy my family. So I'm not going to put myself in too risky of situations. Um, life insurance. It's a dirty industry. Whole life, variable life, term life. Those are the three types of insurances. There's probably more. But you buy term and invest the rest. Term, you cover from age 20 to 60. The years that you're working. Right now, there's a listener to the show. She was, I think, Chinese American. And she married a Chinese American. And he didn't want her to remarry when she died. So he died at 50 and left her two kids to raise. Um, I don't know if he had life insurance. I don't know how they are financially. But I can tell you that she should have some insurance in case they're not financially well off. Because if she dies, those kids are going to need some money to get them through high school and college. You insure what you can't afford to lose. Um, when I was in my 20s, I had a, a vet, a Chevette. Uh, I bought it. I got it for like $200 for my dad. It tells you my dad was kind of middle income, right? Middle to low income. Uh, it was called the smoke mobile because he used to smoke cigarettes in it a lot. And it was filthy gross. Like when I washed it the first time, the water was like the color of, of tobacco. It was gross. Just scrubbing the seats, trying to get the smell out. Um, it wasn't worth anything, but by his standards, I had to have it fully insured. A drunk driver hit the car and I got $2,000 for a car that was worth nothing. Glad I had it, but I didn't need it. I never reinsured it again. I rebuilt it with Bondo. Find me online at Roblox Show, Twitter Roblox Show, YouTube Roblox Show. The fortune-making spirit of today's marketplace, The Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, invested, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Joining me now, Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com. Always a good guest, but we need you today. We need some perspective. The market's not gone into full meltdown mode because it was just last Friday we hit all-time highs, and I'm aware of that. But we're freaking out about the Federal Reserve. We've gone down two and a half days. The meeting ends today. What are you expecting, sir? Well, good morning, Rob. Um, well, I think the uh, the line going in here and even what I'm expecting is, is that you're going to see the, uh, the Fed uh, acquiesce to pretty much the demands of the market in the sense that it's going to uh, quicken the pace of its tapering plan by doubling the amount of uh, tapering activity from $15 billion to $30 billion per month. And then that leaves the Fed on track to basically be done with its bond purchases uh, by March. Uh, we think that uh, the uh, that the where there is this uncertainty is kind of what this dot plot is going to show, right? With today's meeting, you're going to get updated economic and interest rate path projections from the Fed, and uh, there's a, a strong likelihood that that will show you know an ex- a median expectation for for certainly two rate hikes in 2022. And the question is, will will the dot plot move in a way that suggests there's a stronger probability for three rate hikes in 2022? It's just unknown at this point, but certainly it's it's 
possible when you take into account these uh, super hot inflation prints we've gotten at the consumer and, and, and the wholesale level in recent days. It's worthy to note, in my opinion, you could add color to this, that Paul Volcker, Alan Greenspan, Ben Bernanke, Janet Yellen, um, who've all headed the Fed in the past before Jerome Powell, have all at times been accused of killing the stock market. Uh, and stock market gets a little less performance, the economy gets a little less performance, and next thing you know, there's a recession. Is that maybe a fear that the market has right now, that the, the gravy train is leaving and maybe a recession's coming 2022, 2023? Um, I think it's it's starting to enter the mix, Rob. But I think it's 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 backing more prominently, arguably, in the treasury market at this point. Um, I don't think the stock market, which hit a record high on Friday, has has gotten too caught up in that prospect. But the treasury market seems to be signaling uh, that uh, that the Fed is is still being far too complacent, really, with its policy stance, and that's including its. You know, the shift by Fed Chair Powell suggesting that he thinks the taper should end a few months sooner and 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 the knowingness that that likely invites a rate hike earlier than expected. But, you know, if you take a step back, look, the Fed's going to stay at the zero bound most likely until May of 2022. And so the first first move you're going to get is from from zero to zero point two five to a range of zero point two five to zero point five. I mean, that's still stimulative, you know, with a policy rate at that level. So I think a lot is dependent on ultimately how market rates react to what the Fed is going to say. But the weakness we are seeing in some of these growth stocks and certainly the high multiple stocks, many of which have been hit extremely hard in recent weeks and months, is 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 partly due to the fear of rising interest rates, which are going to apply some pressure on those uh, on those valuations. And so. Uh, but the, the the fear right now, though, I think, is that the Fed is uh, it may say the right things today, but it's not doing the right thing. And and ultimately, it might find itself in a position of really being too far behind the curve and, and, and being in a kind of a, uh, a chase mode in 2022 that uh, that, you know, invites more aggressive policy action that could. Uh, you know, lead to that so-called policy mistake that because the Fed's playing catch up and getting aggressive with tightening action, it then chokes off economic growth in a more pronounced way. And and that's some of the concern that's starting to manifest itself in the flattening of the yield curve. So let's shift a little bit. Um, Jerome Powell probably misspoke or was misinterpreted when he talked about transitory inflation because it, it feels like it's lingering longer past the summer and maybe it's more sticky inflation. How do you feel about sticky inflation? How do you feel that's going to affect your life, the stock market, your your dollars, your retirement goals? Is it an issue for you? Well, yeah, it's, it's an issue because you're you know the purchasing power of your dollar doesn't go as far, so you're ultimately you know paying more, um, and, and that's a problem for anyone really. Um, and I think that. Uh, you know, the impact is, you know, as I look at it from a you know market analyst standpoint is, is along the lines of what we just talked about, really, is that inflation remains persistent. And it should persist, frankly, as, as long as monetary policy is in a stimulative place. Okay. Um, you know, you may see some uh, what will be described as disinflation. In other words, where you have the inflation rate moderating from its current, you know, level. 
which is its highest since 1982. But that doesn't mean it's necessarily going to be low. And and it's not, you know, in our estimation, not likely to, to really, you know, come back to these super low levels in the near future because monetary policy is still stimulative. Um, and, and that then invites the, you know, the, um, the prospect of, again, the Fed having to play catch up to with, with aggressive tightening action to get things in control. And that would be damaging from a market standpoint. And I think that that's kind of what, you know, even alluded to when you talk about how uh, prior Fed shares have all been accused of killing bull markets in a way with rate increases. And, you know, the fact of the matter is higher interest rates initially on the margin are going to slow some economic activity, but as they continue to go up and if they go up at a faster pace, uh, then you see more, um, uh, you know, more pronounced um, uh, implications there as it relates to uh, spending decisions and uh, capital investment decisions and investment decisions that, you know, can ultimately weigh heavily on the stock market. It's not lost on me. I've been in this industry talking to you for over 20 years, and I admire your your thoughts. Um one of the implications that I have with that is 20 years ago when we had this conversation, we might've said the Fed doesn't really tell us much and we never know when the next rate hike's coming, but they've now introduced a dot plot where we could kind of see where they expect things to go. Um, do you think the transparency is helping the situation or is it, we should go back to more of a secretive and what are they thinking kind of game? Yeah. No, I've always been a believer that, you know, trans- more transparency is, is better. I mean, I mean, why do, you know, like a lot of things are at stake here, you know, and so why should we be playing a, a real, you know, guessing game as it relates to, you know, how the Fed's actions are going to impact, you know, everyone from Main Street to Wall Street. So I I personally like the fact that the Fed is more communicative and, and more transparent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what we all realize, though, in, is in that um, in that process, uh, it's it's quite evident that the Fed's also quite fallible and, you know, does not have, you know, a, a crystal ball necessarily. I mean, you can see that if you were to go back and just look at the, uh, the trends in these economic projections, right. They're, they're never accurate. <laughs> and so, um, it, you know, we're, the Fed is in some respects like the rest of us, they need to wait for the data to really substantiate what's going on. And, you know, they, it's more giving their best guess in a way, but, um, but all in all, I think with, you know, most things in life, I mean, the, the more transparent you are, uh, the, the better it is to, to operate. Um, and, uh, and then there's, there's less mistrust involved too. So your page one column started or didn't start, but it had some great nuggets this morning. I got that Eli Lilly shares are up 5% essentially, uh, providing better guidance. I know Merck, Pfizer, all saying things are looking better and better for us in 2022, but also you said Lowe's had some disappointing guidance. And I use that story on the air today of, you know, maybe we're reopening and we're going on vacations and we're not staying at home and fixing up our homes or as homes or as fixed up as they can get. What else is on your mind as we wrap up the year? Well, if I could kind of just piggyback off that Lowe's comment, um, okay. I think the the thing that, you know, stood out there is, I mean, their guidance wasn't terrible. It just wasn't, uh, you know, expectations are just so high in, yep. in one sense. And so Lowe's for next year is, is guiding its comparable sales to be anywhere from down 3% to flat. Right. So, uh, and I think what it did was it highlighted for a lot of people, just the idea of, and this is going to be true throughout 2022 
is that you have really challenging comparisons that are coming up. And so you're not going to see earnings growth be as strong. You probably okay. will see profit margins contract. Um, and, and that's why, you know, when we're in a period of where, you know, rising interest rates should arguably contribute to some of that slowdown, uh, why the market is apt to transition into a position where it's going to be favoring, you know, uh, buying companies, uh, what I say is growth at a reasonable price as opposed to growth at any price. Right. We were buying growth at any price in 2021 because the market fully believed that the Fed wasn't anywhere close to raising interest rates. And the market was right. And and there was a lot of uh, there's plenty of liquidity out there that helped you know drive a lot of stocks to sky high valuations. But I think that, you know, we're seeing a shift now in Fed policy from a truly dovish stance to a less dovish, dovish stance. But as you, that shift begins, the nature of the bull market will change. And in that changing nature, we think now uh, investors will be more discerning about just how willing they are to pay up for every dollar of earnings and will now put a greater premium on buying profitable growth as opposed to just buying um, sales growth potential. I wish we had more time. We don't. Maybe next year I can give a donation to a charity of yours if you'll stay a whole hour with me. Um, I always love listening to you talk. It's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. Thanks for a great 2021. You helped us guide through the markets as briefing.com does every day with me. Um, Have a good new year. Let's take next week off and pick back up in the new year. It's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. I'm Rob Black. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.